Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to the Masterclass Tactical Podcast. My name is Hader Rabani and I'm your host as usual today. I'm joined by my usual co-host, Rob Blanchett. Rob, it's uh, it's getting very difficult to do these sort of podcasts, isn't it? When so much has gone so wrong, not just tactically, but just everything looks wrong. Uh, look, nice to have you here with me today, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I've had better days, obviously. Um, yeah, hugely disappointing. Lots of things wrong, not many things right. Um, and, you know, like I said, after the Tottenham game, he's got six games to fix it. I'm certainly not Ole in or Ole out. I always say that. It's just facts at the end of the day. And there's something not working at Manchester United at the moment, whatever you want to call it, we'll, we'll delve into that. But it was a bad night for United, a bad night for the club and, and a really, really bad night for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Absolutely. Guys, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. The reason why we're going live is because it was such a great uh, success last time. We loved all your comments. We loved the interactions. So make sure you get the comments in. We'll make sure we get to them as much as possible. Mark's asking, is it cold in both of your houses? Oh, what, because Rob's wearing a hat? Um, oh, I thought I'd wear the hat today as well. So Something like that. Matching. It really is. Yeah. It's just so difficult. we got Holly here. She's a Spurs fan I talked to. Can I laugh or will I get pan jokes? Oh, you'll be gone and Poch will come in. I know Holly's... Holly's a big fan of Pochettino. But look, let's just talk about today, Rob. And let's start with the selection. We went with a 4-2-3-1, Holly's favoured formation. I was pretty delighted with the lineup, if I'm being honest with you. And I think that's not really what the issue was today. I don't think it was a lineup problem. I think what we got to see was a chance to see possibly our best centre-back pairing in Axel and Maguire. We saw Henderson get a Champions League debut as well. We saw a midfield that I've certainly wanted to see for a while, you know, with Matic, uh, Van der Beek and Bruno. I think the question was would the balance be right? And we'll talk about that later. 
And then we saw the the front three as well. Um, I, I liked Matter on the right. I think he's been going well. But um, apart from how we started, I thought we worked the ball well. I thought we were moving it with speed. We look fluid. It just it just wasn't right, was it? From the start, from the get go, really. We just didn't look like we were showing much intent. Sixty two percent possession, two shots on target. It just was so laboured. And this isn't the first time we've seen it, is it? No, it isn't. And I think, you know, when we talk about these things tactically and technically and all of the bits that go with it, uh, quite often the feedback is, oh, well, you're making excuses. You know, you're giving a statistic to kind of hide something that we've seen with our eyes. So let's put the brass tacks actually here on the doorstep and actually talk about these things now. I said, going back, that Ole had six games and we've now gone through that passage of six games from Tottenham Hotspur. And the reason why I said six games was that it was quite clear and evident that a certain guy called Pochettino was going to resurface in England in the next few weeks. We know that has happened. We've all seen him on uh, Sky Sports on Monday, all looking bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready for a new job. And Ole has to resist all of these things, which means his team has to be, dare I say it, after the Tottenham game, perfect. And they haven't been. So like you just said there, the selection today, I don't think there's anything wrong with the selection. I think there was a, a question that you could ask about whether you play Van der Beek and Matter in the same team. That worried me. And I think that came to fruition. We saw that after an hour that that experiment was over. But Ole's took that risk. That's up to him. Obviously, the fans have been desperate to see Van der Beek start, start games. You might have seen today why he didn't. You know, he didn't play badly, but it's about the system. But I think playing 4-2-3-1 today was a huge mistake. I think the two goals that we saw that kind of came in the first half were catastrophic. Never seen anything as bad as that for a long time. And when these things happen, you know, one of the things I tweeted is that mistakes become a habit, both bad habits. And when things go well, you get these good habits that come through. And what you saw with Manchester United today was no leadership, no organisational skills, no senior players taking responsibility in problem parts of the park. And it just went on and on and on. And this is why Manchester United lost this game to what is a very, very average opponent. And that's the bit that kind of gets to me. And that's the bit that kind of where I think about Ole and what he has to do to keep his job. And as I will say again, I'm not Ole in, not Ole out. When I look at it, it's the same as what happened with Mourinho, is that you got to a point where you can't defend what you're seeing. You know, you can't defend that the players are not doing it, the tactics are not right. And I think with Ole, you know, we've seen sniffs that the tactics are there. We, we know that he's had great success against very good managers and we were only two minutes ago talking about him schooling Tuchel and Nagelsmann and all of these things. But Manchester United, you need results. You need to keep the ball rolling. You need to keep showing progress. And I think he's just hit another little bit of a brick wall now. If there wasn't a guy called Pochettino sat there waiting for it. I don't know if we'd be saying it in this manner, but he is waiting for the job. They're looking for mistakes. And you quite often see a manager exit after a bad European result. That's something that is traditional in English football. Uh, you see that chairmen tend to pick their time when something happens in Europe. And tonight was a bad result against the team they should have beaten. I can't disagree with any of that. We did sit and have this discussion, like you said, six games ago, uh, after the Spurs game, in fact. And you did say exactly that. Six games, he's got to prove it. And that's the thing, Rob. You know, usually with Oli, he would 
get the results in the big games. That was something that he was good at. It was these sort of games where he, where he switched off. And I tweeted out something similar that I expect us to beat PSG and Leipzig. It's these games that I don't. But going back to sort of the Premier League games, we've struggled in those big games. We've lost to Arsenal. We've lost to Spurs, obviously. We've lost to... We drew with Chelsea. And this is the thing that what was keeping him for me in the job or what was... What was the hope for me was that actually, look, he goes into big games, he had a plan and it worked. But what we, what I wanted to see was to see him translate that into the smaller games or the ones you should be winning. And once you're not doing it in the big games and you can't do it in the small games, that's when you, you have to have a look at it and think, and I don't, I don't want to sit here and be an emotional because you know what? I was emotional last time. I was really, really upset. But today I'm not because you know what? And it sounds bad, but today <laughs> I expected to see what I did. And I want to talk about the midfield balance because... I wanted to see that midfield and I don't think, you know, I don't think it's a bad midfield. I don't think that's the reason why we lost the game. I don't think you can, you can't put that midfield out in a game like this if they're drilled properly and, and to play. And like I said, United looked fluid today and I like the look of Donny van der Beek. I like the fact early on that he doesn't take too many touches on the ball. He was keeping it moving. You know, we we're quicker in the transition early on, but what I was struggling with is the, the way that when we lost the ball, all three midfielders were literally sitting all the way up the pitch and you had you had just had the two centre-backs back there. And that's naivety. And that's not a personnel problem for me, Rob. That's The problem with that is is a coaching thing and it, it's a setup thing. So can you just talk to me a bit more about the midfield balance and your thoughts on it, whether you agree with me or not? I think when you talk about the midfield, you've got to look at the whole setup. So obviously we said it was a 4-2-3-1. That's, that was the shape. There's no way that Manchester United should be given any problems by Demba Bar. Demba Bar is not a Premier League striker. Demba Bar would struggle to get into most championship teams' front lines. That shouldn't be an issue. That goal that happened the first time around was negligence. It was negligence from the whole of the defence and obviously pushed up trying to score a goal. But the fact that Matic, who obviously a guy that you've praised a lot and we've talked about and said, you know, can actually do that role and playing there as a defensive midfielder, he was negligent. He was 30 yards away from the player and had no idea that he was even there. So that's one thing. So I think when you look at the midfield, I don't know why Ole today went and played with a two in front of a back four against such a weak opponent. You can feel around and say, well, why did he play it? Well, it tells you he's worried about stuff. That's what Ole tends to do. You know, he shuts up the shop when he's worried about things. And you saw that today in terms of, the technicalities of what United players were doing all the way through the midfield into the attack. You know, you can pick individuals out this time. I sometimes say, you know, it's a holistic issue. You know, it's across the board. That's the best way to look at it. But I think today you could look at Bruno Fernandes, who was absolutely poor. Marcus Rashford was really poor. The people wanted to dig out Paul Pogba for the result of losing 1-0 the other day. And I get why people want to do that. You know, it was his mistake to give away the penalty. But there was plenty of players again today, and this is what worries me, is that you cannot carry three, four, five, six players in a game. Yeah, you can't. You cannot get away with it. You know, Tuin Zabi made one or two mistakes today, but he's a kid, so I can forgive him, and that's okay. And he went off at half time. But I think Maguire's organisation from, from back to front when he had the ball wasn't good enough. He's got to be better on a, on a week-to-week basis. We've all said this. Um, but that midfield balance for me of playing matter and Van der Beek in two positions where the risk and reward isn't really present. Matter was wide. Van der Beek was deep, playing as part of the two. That's a problem because you still got to be creative. You've still got to get the ball from A to Z. And this is why Paul Pogba does play generally in United's best team because he's one of the few players that can be creative from any part of the pitch. 
today United didn't have that creativity. And you saw Mata with the second goal. This is why Mata is a liability there. I think he's played really well this season. But it's, I don't think I'd have picked him today. You know, I didn't look at it before the game and think this is a natural game for one matter to come no, step back into. Yeah. Uh, so, so I think this is the whole thing about where you say about whether a manager is responsible or not, or the players are. Ultimately, the players are always responsible when you, they go out there to play a system, but the manager sets you up. And then after the game, you can say, well, was that tactics or was that performances? I think for United, it was everything. And that is what makes it so bad. And if I'm Ed Woodward and I'm sat there and I'm desperate to employ this guy called Pochettino, who I keep saying and keep talking about, this is why we feel, I think, certainly in my role, my job and where you know where we work, that this is an inevitability, really, unless Ole can get the, the team going in the right direction very quickly over the last six games. That hasn't happened. So I do believe that we'll see a change of manager fairly swiftly. Rob, I'm going to read out a few of the questions because I want there are some good ones here and they're sort of aimed at you. Um, Umkar has said here, have you heard something on Oli being moved out? Because obviously we've spoken about this for a while. I'll be honest with you, Rob. Last game is when I fully was like, you know this, we had a discussion, but last game is when I fully realised I just, I want him, I want Oli to do well, but I just feel like it's negative result after negative result and just, yeah, just tell the listeners about have you heard anything or is this just something that you expect to happen? You know, this is what happens at a big club. Well, first of all, there's logic at play here about how managers get hired and fired. First of all, that's the first thing. And Ole's run in the last six games hasn't been good enough. So this is what we were saying after the Tottenham result, which was such a catastrophic result, 6-1 to Mourinho, you know, at Old Trafford. You know, that kind of puts a mark and a black mark against you anyway. What I will say is this, is that uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer did feel at the end of last season that if United didn't finish the campaign strongly, that he would be replaced. That, that Everyone knows that. That's not me saying that. That is something that is widely reported, certainly in the press, in terms of how Manchester United present themselves. And it was felt, you know, certainly from Ole's quarters, that they know that Pochettino is waiting there. They know that Woodward likes Pochettino. And, it, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to put all of that together. So that was at the end of last season. But he got top four. You know, he staved it away, coming third, three, Euro, you know, three um, cup semifinals and all of that. And the team was playing better football, no doubt about it. They've started this season poorly. We've talked about the pre-season. Now, one thing I will say is this as well, is that the pre-season is also down to the manager. So Ole did note it at the end of the European campaign last year that he felt it would be difficult to get the players fit and ready. But if that affects your results, which of course it did, and it's affected other teams' results as well, Liverpool, Man City, just to name two, then you have to carry that as well. But you didn't have to show the recovery. So we did see that. We did see United kind of form improve. We saw the, the obviously a great result against PSG, uh, a wonderful result against Leipzig. But and we've seen this kind of other results that 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 kind of point to the wrong direction. You know, I, I, I wasn't too low on the fact that United drew with Chelsea, but a lot of United fans were. And I think the Arsenal result as well was very marginal. You know, it's one of those things you don't give away that penalty, you don't lose that game. But tonight was just a good opportunity for Ole to put a marker down and United to have a good result and to, again, put the the Pochettino uh, rumours to one side and just think about going forward. Well, tonight, Ole is going to have to think about Pochettino because if he cannot improve the performances in what were several positions tonight, and this is, again, what we'll talk about, that's a big problem. That's a really big problem when you've got someone as good as Pochettino waiting to get this job and he wants this job and it is no secret. It is an open secret. Everybody knows Edward Wood loves him 
and it's it's a very similar scenario to what happened with Mourinho and Van Gaal. You know, Van Gaal, Van Gaal, Van Gaal yeah. won the FA Cup and got sacked. So, and we all knew he was. Well, he knew everyone we, knew we it. Knew he it. knew it, and every you know, as as I said on our last episode, you know, Mourinho scars were being sold outside the ground three months before he came. So I don't think we're in that scenario, uh, so to speak. But I think Ole's position is as you know, is it's it's hugely at risk and probably more tonight than it has ever been at any point since he's become manager. Yeah, I completely agree, guys. Um, what we'll do is we'll take more questions at the end. So if you've got any which are really burning, but we'll do that right at the end. Um, I'll put up some of the comments here as we go along. But um, look, Rob, let's drill into that midfield. I want to drill into Van der Beek. So I just want to read something that Louis van Gaal said about players at Ajax, the way they're brought through the system. So I think this is important to understand as well the sort of player we've got on our hands and also how I do think he is on a different level footballing IQ-wise IQ to a lot of our players. So he said here that we teach players to read the game and teach them to be coaches. If opposition coaches come up with a good tactic, players taught are taught to look and find solutions. I think you can see that in his game, that he is a player. I know he's not played to the level we want him to play, but he is a player that obviously has a brain on him. You see him, I saw him three or four times make fantastic runs forward and Matic is looking and then he doesn't make that pass. And I feel like at the moment, I'm not sure where Oli knows where to play him. I was quite surprised he played in so deep. I thought he would have swapped him and Bruno around. But looking at his uh, statistics, 93% pass accuracy, 81 total touches, two out of two take-ons completed, two out of two tackles and one key pass. He played 61 minutes. He came off. Now, Bruno lost the ball 17 times in the first half. I think it's, we know he started, but I think it's fair to ask the question why Van der Beek is not getting more opportunities or why Van der Beek is the one that's having to make way because I don't see in that midfield, and especially today, I'm not saying as we go on, but I don't think anyone knows what the midfield combination is to, was today. It sort of felt like a case of just pigeonholing players in there. There was no specific roles. It was too random for me. And it, it just reminds me of, it reminds me of Arsenal under Unai Emery at times today. It, and that sounds extreme. But, it, you know, whereas the players didn't really know what they were doing. And then that translates through the team and the defence was shaky. But on that midfield, do you agree with me on Van der Beek? Or, or am I just putting too much pressure on him? Or am I uh, expecting more from him that I should? I, th I think the focus is on Van der Beek from the United fan base because he's new signing. That's why. So everyone expects him to be in the team every week, playing it all the time. I think what we saw today is that you can't shoehorn. So he was put. He was brought into this team because everyone and their mothers have been crying for Van der Beek to start games. So Ollie feels that pressure just like anyone. You know, again, this might not have been the game to start Van der Beek in unless you were going to drop Bruno and play him in Bruno's position. So you know, Van der Beek can play as a six, he can play as an eight, he can play as a ten, but he does have a sliding scale of where he's most useful. And I don't think sitting in front of a back four with Matic is where he's most useful. He can play there. You know, I'd have said that Pogba would play that role better than Van der Beek. But of course, everyone's, the popularity game changes all the, uh, week to week with Man United fans about who they want to play where. What I will say is this, is I don't think tonight was about the midfield. Yeah, I don't really don't. I think uh, when you look at what uh, Bruno Fernandes does, he, he's one of the attackers. Yeah, it's about, tonight was about attack and defence. So those two defensive lapses were horrendous and that's why they scored those goals. But on the front foot, United were not good enough. You know, and, I, and again, I tweeted out, you know, I think at, at one point in that 60th minute, 
you could have pulled Bruno and said, you know what, you've had a bad night, you're off, and I'm going to put Van der Beek in that position. Now, maybe that was something that Ole wasn't brave enough to do. Maybe that was something that Ole didn't think would be tactically very clever. We all know that Bruno Fernandes is a hugely influential player, and once he's in the box, he can score goals. But he was poor tonight, in the same way that Marcus Rashford was poor. You know, there was nothing for Martial in this game as the striker. There was no creativity for him. Another player I'd like to highlight, I think, was Aaron Wambasaka. Absolutely didn't give anything on that right-hand side. Had tons of space, loads of space to run into, plenty of opportunity to get up and down. Luke Shaw, on the other hand, I thought actually had a, a decent game on the left. And was, he, he was our best player today, Rob. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I, think, I think the thing is, when we're talking about in this system, uh, Luke Shaw was our best player. That tells you why how bad it was. So that's not, that's not an indictment on Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw's trying to get forward and cross the ball. And I, and I thought in the last two or three games that Luke Shaw's played, he hasn't been as good as, a, as you'd want him to be. But United's lack of progress through the team from back to front is unacceptable. This is where we get to the problems. And this is where Ole has to hold it. You know, ultimately, this comes down to a manager. If he's going to persist with Harry Maguire as the centre-back, and he's a player that I've backed multiple times, but I do think he's going through a huge confidence crisis at the moment in terms of his leadership and also his output from defence. Like someone tweeted me and said, oh, it wasn't his fault tonight. I'm saying it's not his fault. That's not what I'm saying. But you need your big personalities to come to the fore in, day, in games like tonight. You didn't see it from Bruno. You didn't see it from Marcus. These are players that have to roll their sleeves up and drag United through the bad times. But tonight, was it even particularly a bad time? They were playing a team that wasn't that good, that didn't really offer a lot. But United couldn't string it together from back to front. So you have to look at the main protagonists. And for me, it was the defenders and the attackers. The midfield is is is, is what it is. You know, I think when Scott McTominay came on, we saw that he, he played well, I think, for 45 minutes. He kind of gave United more balance. But Scott McTominay isn't the player that you should be expecting to change your team, is he? So no. this is the whole thing. So, you know, Scott, he probably should have started today. When you looked at that, you then thought, do you know what? If you'd started him, you might have not got those goals happening in the first half. And United might control the game and win 1-0, 2-0, something like that. All of these things are great with hindsight. But for me, defenders, attackers, they're the key issues tonight. Midfielders, yeah, you could have swapped it around, played several different you know, formations. For me, the diamond that obviously we we said wasn't a diamond in the last few weeks, I would have liked to have seen maybe a repeat of that tonight because I think United could have passed away through that team. Yeah. Everything was so narrow after, you know, we, when you got your fullbacks going forward, everything was coming inside. And that's the bit that Wamsaka really kind of gets my goat with is that he just plays that simple square ball inside rather than either taking the risk and reward of going on the outside using this pace, maybe driving it 20, 30 yards, and then coming inside. Then you're on the edge of the box. But he comes inside too quickly, a halfway line, just over one side. And it's because he's a kid and he's scared of giving the ball away. And that's what happens with kids sometimes. We will say that kids are too brave. But anyone in that early 20s mould, you just sometimes make a mistake and then you bite your lip because it's something you're thinking about in training over and over again. But that's a problem for United because they need they need right-back coverage. You need someone to give Wambasaka a, you know, a kick up the backside. They need someone to play there and actually, you know, be competition in the same way that Luke Shaw now has that with Tellez. So still issues, I think, all the way across the park. And I just think today, formation, tactics, you know, as I said, selection wasn't that bad, but no, it lots, wasn't. lots of other little things that are the bits that really concern me from back to front. Uh, just the core of the team, you know, second half going with Matic at centre-back, you kind of think, what, what's going on here? What is this? Just go three at the back. 
you know, just just flip flip it around, go three at the back, and keep United on the front foot. Have the shape so the V is going that way, so your fullbacks can start much higher up. So you yeah. so you got one player there in Denver Bar. You know, if if you've got two and Zabi on the pitch, or even if you bring Fosu Mensah on, you can still play three and just take care of it and keep United on the front foot. But it just felt today that they lacked ambition, not in the sense that they don't want to win a game of football, but just that nerves were there and doubt was there. And you saw that in pretty much every one of the players on the pitch today. Well, it's it's not a surprise though, Rob. You know, you look at these these players and we look at how, um, how the form has been and each week you're seeing them become more and more, their confidence is going lower and lower. I mean, mm. you watch them against Chelsea. If we'd got a win against Chelsea, I think that was key for me. If we'd got one of those goals and you probably should have won that game, you might have seen a different United against Arsenal and a different United today. I think their confidence is shot. And you talk about that confidence and I want to talk about defensive organisation and shape, or should I say lack of defensive organisation and shape. And before I do that, guys, please hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. We have a lot of people that come and watch this and thank you for that, but you haven't subscribed, so we'd love you to, to subscribe to help us get to 1K. Uh, look, Rob, I'm just going to go into that into that goal a little bit. They were both terrible, but um, you tweeted something. You said it's United are like watching two sides, a different side going yeah. forward. I thought they were all right with the ball in the first half. Hmm. Second half, I think we were slower, but defensively, it's, it's just a joke, isn't it, really? And <laughs> I think the first goal was, I don't know, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm laughing because I'm just... We saw a terrible goal against Spurs where that was comical, but this was even worse. And as as Paul Skull said, it's like under 10s defending. United left nobody back from the corner. Or they left one person. It was the slowest person in our team. All four defenders were in the box. It's, the naivety is just astounding and there's just no defensive discipline. I don't really know what to say. You know, we talk about, let's talk about the losing shape or the shape that we've seen, which has been all over the place. Now, my view on it is that the blame doesn't completely fall on Oli. Okay. I think both mm. are to blame. The players need to have some game sense. They need to have some, um, you know, they need to have some awareness around them. And again and again and again, we're seeing individual errors. And yes, Oli's to blame partly, but he sends the players out there. And if they're going to do this week in, week out, what can you do? How can you build from the back when your players are making, making mistakes? For both goals, there's a complete breakdown in organization and defensive structure and you know especially with we're talking about the fullbacks they both were so high not one of them busted their gut to get back we saw you've seen the image going around of the second goal where luke shaw is all the way up the pitch three three of the defenders are here on the right side i, I don't know what to say anymore rob because is it the players just not not caring anymore you know they're thinking right okay well ollie might be out so that's it or is it generally that they don't know their roles on the pitch? Because I don't think it is that. We've seen that they can defend as a unit. No. But it's just gone backwards. And T team, yes, team, sports, team sports are all about confidence, right? Team sports you, you are always the defensive, about... The defensive organisation is confidence. I, I, th I think in that scenario, it's about trust, isn't it? So when you go forward and you're trying to score a goal and Harry Maguire is going, right, I need to put this football club on my back. I'm going to be bombing. I'm going to go in and get my head on the ball and try and score. And there was a load of times tonight where people were saying, or, or where, the, where the punditries were saying, get the ball on Maguire's head. You know, he's the guy in there. And I'm thinking, well, hang on. They should have other players to be able to head the ball as well. The issue is, is that when you've got no pace in your defensive unit, generally, you know, it's not, it's not quite a mass bar, is it? So, <laughs> but, uh, Ultimately, yeah, I think it's kind of the same writing, actually, isn't it? I see what you mean. I didn't even so, notice it from Jake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He pulled me down. That was, that was, yeah. He pulled me out there, out of my sink. 
the whole point of it is, is that when you are looking at leadership and you're looking at organization, that comes through confidence. Yeah, you have to be confident in each other and knowing what you're doing. But what you saw today was a kind of brazen attitude. That's why that goal happened, that first goal, because they're all bombing forward, trying to play this kind of frantic United style of overloading, you know, getting bodies in the box. That's kind of what the fans want as well. The fans demand this kind of attack, attack, attack. But you can't attack and then completely forget about defending. And you actually saw it. You know, for me, I, the last man should never be Matic because Matic is slow. So if you put him in a race with anyone, Rob, he loses. Rob, that, is, that is basic. So, this, so, is, this is schoolboy stuff. It's basic. So when you get someone like Wambasaka who is fast or even Tu and Zabi who is fast, you leave one of them back. Yeah, that's what you do. So that is organisation. Now, I can guarantee you that those boys were given those uh, tactics by Ole, and none of that would have come under it. You know, Ole would have would have must, would have had them all laid out, and then they go and make the decisions as they go along. And that again is a confidence thing because you've got players either trying to do too much or not doing enough, and that's a wrong balance. You know, this is why I argued the toss about Paul Pogba the other day because Paul Pogba was kind of overextending himself and then giving away that penalty. And you think to yourself, no, no, I don't want him there. I want him goal side. You know, that's where I want him to start. But it was actually because Luke Shaw faced up his man and allowed that pass to just go inside. So Pogba chases, gives away a penalty, you lose the game. So it's as simple as that, little things about co having confidence in not just your ability, but also in your teammates' ability. And that's what's missing. You know, that's what's missing. We, we, you know, we talked about maybe Lindelof in the past not being good enough or whatnot. You can see these huge holes in Manchester United now. You know, you took Lindelof out there today. It looked completely yeah. disorganised. So then you have to look to Maguire. Then you have to say to Harry Maguire, well, hang on, you are the captain. Yeah, we've said that Lindelof has been the problem this week. But today Lindelof wasn't on the pitch. So it's up to you with that kid defender next to you, to Nzabi, who I thought in the in the main, in the kind of in the duels, looked fine. You know, when he had the ball at his feet, he looked quick, it was accurate. You know, he got done once or twice with the ball going over the top. But that again is organization. That is up to the captain to say, you start here, I'm starting here, and that's how we go forward. And there wasn't really any of that. And even in the second half when United are chasing the game. You know, I felt at 2-1 that United could even could go on and win that game. But the problem was that the leaders on the pitch, so I'm talking about Maguire, I'm talking about Bruno, I'm talking about Rashford. For me, yeah. they're the three leaders. They didn't lead today. They didn't They didn't do their jobs, you know, and Rashford getting pulled early was the right choice. You know, I thought that with, with 15 minutes to go, he didn't have a good game. Bruno didn't have a good game. He could very, very easily have gone earlier. And then what do you do at the back? You know, we put Matic back there, who's not even a centre-back. And when things like that happen, that's what worries me because it, ma it makes me then think the manager's looking at his options and going, I want to keep Matic on there. I don't know what there. to do. Yeah. You know, not, not I don't know what to do because I, he knows his players better than we do. Yeah, he knows all of the statistical bits and bobs that we don't know in terms of their pace and their output and their productivity and all of these things. The real core things are what managers look at as coaches. He knows all of that. So that's why he left him on the pitch. But he took Tunzebi off because of that card. And that obviously, yeah, you kind of, you see that and it's almost a little bit of like the Frighteners. It's like, I, I'm changing yeah, things so dramatically now. Yeah. yeah. When Amanda really rips it up and you kind of go, people it's always Mourinho go, like, yeah, no people always say it's brave. Trap. You see, they go, oh, if you rip it up early, I quite often think it's the opposite. I think when a, when a manager sticks with what he knows because he's planned it all week, then when you suddenly just blow it all up because it's not working, that shows that you just don't have the faith maybe in the personnel. But this team is good enough, but it is an, it's a combination of 
being confident to do the job, but then taking on the tactics on board. And we've seen one swing to another, haven't we? We've looked at the PSG game and thought the tactics were great. The the yeah. Leipzig game, the tactics were great. I even think against Arsenal and Chelsea, the tactics were not so bad. There were bits that were wrong. But tonight was a real kind of breakdown, I think, in several key areas. Yeah, absolutely spot on. I'm going to read out a few of the comments. Rob, um, Lokesh, Oli has an idea for how to organise, but it's going to take a long time for him to be perfect. As of now, I feel he's a pragmatist. I but think he, hasn't, he hasn't got time, you see, now. This yeah, is my point. So th this, is, this yeah. is not about, again, about whether people think the manager should be sacked or not, or whether I think the manager should be sacked or not. He has not got time. Yeah, this is this is the way it is because Pochettino is saying he's knocking on the door really loud and he's saying I am ready to start my work. One, one day was perfect from him. That was honestly like an of course audition. it was, but it was a job and interview, he, wasn't it? Yeah, and he looked genuinely a lot of people who weren't who I know who weren't like not I'm not Ollie out. I just think that we're, I'm not seeing progress now. I'm seeing one step forward, two steps back, three steps back in some cases. But I know people that weren't particularly. Oli in or Oli out and turned around and said that's the guy that I want at the club now because of the way he spoke he holds himself correctly you've seen I think the biggest thing Rob was looking at I don't want to go too much into this but looking at the graphic where it showed how much he spent uh, both uh, money coming in out and seeing how much United has spent in that period that's not on Oli but knowing that Pochettino had done so much on a smaller budget and I think a lot of people turn around and said other people say he's a glazer puppet, then he'll be one when he comes here. But a lot of people turn around and said, you know, I'm this a glazer someone... puppet, aren't I? You're a glazer puppet. I'm yeah. clueless, apparently. Apparently, you um, you carry the <laughs> podcast and I just sit here and I'm a cheerleader. Well, so... that is correct. So that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. It should be called Rob's Masterclass featuring um, Hayden just being there. Just we'll uh, sort the, the rebranding out tomorrow. Exactly. We'll do yeah, it. But, but, no, but what you're saying now is about what Pochettino is, you know, for me, I like him because. He is tactically a very sound manager. He's got different systems. He's not the most progressive. That worries me. He is a bit more of a pragmatist overall. Um, he will get attacking players doing good things. You know, he will get fullbacks going forward maybe a little bit more. Uh, he'd be very good for Luke Shaw. I think a player that he's shown that he can kind of get the best out of in years gone by when he was at Southampton. But it's all about circumstance. You know, this isn't about whether people support the manager or not or support Pochettino or not. And I said this at exactly the same time with with the last two managers who, who have left the football club, is that it's the perfect storm, isn't it? It's always about that point of when you go, how long has he really got now? You know, how many games has Ole got going into the Christmas period? And don't forget, we've got a transfer window coming up as well. Before Ed Woodward goes, I'm pulling the trigger. We know Ed Woodward will pull the trigger. He has got previous and he's got a manager ready. So and He's spoken to him already, Rob. It's no, no doubt about it. He's spoken to Pochettino. We, we know this. This is not new. We know this. We, we know this. Yeah. And, and Pochettino alluded to it um, when he was first sacked. He'd kind of talked about clubs that he likes and clubs that, you know, that he would one day like to manage. He talked a lot about Sir Alex, Sir Alex being his hero. And, you know, he, he's always had a very good relationship with Sir Alex. It was a bit like, oh, and it was leaked that Sir Alex wanted Pochettino to get the job at some point. That was that was a while back. All of these things do not add up well for Ole. So the only way Ole can keep his job is by keep winning. And this is the problem with, with Mourinho. He ran out of time because he stopped winning because the team just was playing bad football. His selections were bad. You know, we said that last game that he played, he had Damian and Delow as his right-sided uh, forwards and fullbacks. And you kind of think to yourself, so he ran out of time and ideas. And that does happen, you know. And I don't think Ole's run out of ideas, but he will be running out of time. And it's a dodgy time of year. You can't, you can't keep losing one game every three or four 
and then try and get progress. You need six games. You need to win them all. Yeah. Or you need yeah. five wins and one draw. And yeah. that's not what we've seen. It's been close, but it's not been close enough. And I just think that that there will be conversations being happening at Manchester United now for a long time. And just Mr. Pochettino popping up on Monday Night Football and looking fresh and breezy and ready to go and ready to get back into football kind of will make sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm going to read Onka's comment out. I mean, I disagree with this. He's saying, trust me, change of manager won't help us. If it does, I'll be more than happy. But the way the players are playing, I don't see how we'll make a difference on the pitch. I, I just think that's, I, I've, I just think that's, not true because it's quite clear that what Ollie's trying to get them to do isn't working. So these are good players, and I've said this, haven't I, Rob, to you many times on this. These are good players. It's a good squad for me. I look at the midfield options. I know there's not really a balance there. We've got an issue at defensive midfielder, Rob. We've got a really big problem there. I think we don't know who we want to play. We've got, got problems in several positions. Se not just centre backs as well. I mean, let's let's go on to the centre backs because I actually want to say something about Axel. <sighs> Looking at Axel. I agree with you that after PSG game, he was fantastic. He needed a few, few, you know, few games out. Just come back from a big injury, but he sat on the bench for three games, and I don't think that was good management. I think he should have played at least one of the last three, maybe even the last game. To take him off a half time like that as well for me doesn't do much for the confidence. I don't think Axel's been managed correctly, and now look, he's he's had not a terrible performance, not the best performance. And you said with Oli as well that, you know, possibly he will go within himself now. He put Match at the back. Personally, I just think the way that Axel's been managed, he did well, obviously, at the PSG game. But beyond that, I don't think he's been managed correctly. And we needed him to be in the side. We need to play him. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, what, what's your thoughts on that? No, I'm going to disagree with you because I, I know, I think I feel I know why he's not playing. And that is because the medical reports will be saying that. And Ole has said that in his presses. So we've either got to listen to what Ole's telling us about why he picks players and why he rotates and why he has ideas of certain things, or we don't listen at all and we kind of make our mind up. Ultimately, Tuinzebi's had a really bad injury. If you rush him back, you're going to have problems. He could get a longer-term injury. He's out the team. So I've got no problems with pulling him tonight. I think, you know, with on a yellow card at that point, there is that risk that you're going to lose a centre-back and that would be a bad choice. I, I certainly think we can question why Matic was the guy to go back there. I think that's something you can kind of look at. But overall, you know, I don't know. I don't think we should be too binary about those choices and saying, oh, well, we should just put a player in there because that's the player we think is the answer. I think Tuan Zabia is the long-term answer. I think he'll play lots of games this year. And I think if Pochettino comes to the club, he will definitely play games. You know, And I think if Ole stays, he will still play games. We don't need to rush this process. There's, there's plenty of players in this squad that should be doing better. Yeah, it's as simple as that. You know, I'm not looking at Tuanzebe tonight and thinking, should he play or shouldn't he play? I'm looking at the guy next to him, the captain, yeah, who I do back. You know, I think Harry Maguire at his best can be a very good footballer at the yeah, moment. Him, him and Tuanzebe could be a really good partnership, but it's not working. Well, it could, be, it could be, but I, I still think the long-term uh, partnership for me is Tuanzebe and Mengi. You know, people still want to talk about yeah. Upamecano. I think Upamecano will probably go to Liverpool in January. So sure. th th there's other things that, you know, let's not play the popularity contest. Let's just call it as we see it, you know, ra rather than saying, do we you know, I would have done this. That's not really what it's about. I think it's, we have to look at what's on the football pitch and why it works or why it doesn't work. And I think through the core of that team on that back four, is Wambasaka working on the right-hand side? For me, no. Still a good defender, but defender, you know, right-backs are supposed to get forward. Luke Shaw got forward today, so he did his job. 
centre-backs. I don't think the Maguire organised well enough. Matic was a strange choice. To and Zabie, I don't think, you know, this doesn't get that yellow card. I think he stays on the football pitch. I, I don't think he gets taken off, but he got pulled because he did seem to be a yard off in terms of his decision-making. That happens when you're not 100% fit, both here and in here. So that's a reflection on two and Zabi. But then you can look at all the other positions. And I think, you know, Matter giving the ball away tonight in that area, you are asking for trouble if you give him a one-on-one there where he can't catch the man. And that's where he was. He lost that ball. They counter-attacked and they ruined United. And when that ball came across, yeah, I'm looking for Maguire to deal with it. And he came too tight to his man. It went through him, went to the other side of the box, and it was a clear shot on goal. Decisions, decision making, but yeah. like, this is all it comes down to is the real simple core stuff of getting those bits right. You win games through decision making and through your confidence to make the right decisions. And I just think at United at the moment, there's just not a lot of confidence across the pitch. Yeah, very, very fair. Guys, we've got two more topics. We're going to talk about the fullbacks and then the lack of natural wingers. So after that, if you've got any questions, we'll definitely be answering them. Make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Thank you for all your comments. It's been brilliant today. Rob, let's talk about the fullbacks. You've mentioned it already before. My my problem with them today, I mean, we, we said this even the game against um, against Arsenal, but especially for the second goal, they were both, they were both playing very, very high up. Um, and then when we lost the ball, there wasn't much cover in midfield. But also, I just felt like they didn't get back quick enough. Now, I thought Luke Shaw had a good game. I thought he got an assist. I haven't seen him cross to get an assist. But the issue is that, and we can couple this with the wingers, actually, the fact that we don't have, for me, natural wingers in the squad, and you're seeing every single game now, I think, going forward. I think Oli's tried to hide the fact we don't have a natural right winger. We know Mason looks like a striker, a centre-forward. That's where he looks more comfortable. And I feel like it's catching up with us, catching up with us now that we literally have no one really in the squad who's a natural winger. And I think the only... I'm going to say this now, natural ringer is probably Dan James, but he's not good enough right now. And I think the problem is that what we found is that I think the fullbacks are struggling as well because they don't have a natural wide player in front of them. And we saw the amount of times where wan is the furthest one forward on the right and he's not good enough going forward. So naturally, all your def- all your attacks are coming down the left-hand side. Again, we become predictable. Again, we become lopsided and very easy to defend against. And my problem going forward is that I really like wan as a defender, and we mentioned this last week, but the problem is that we need more from him going forward. Now, all the top teams have fullbacks who are excellent going forward. In the modern game, you see, with, obviously, with Klopp, the two fullbacks almost act as wingers. With Pep, they come, in, they come into the midfield. I, I don't really know what the solution is going forward, Rob, to be honest with you, because how how do we set up? We've been saying for a while the system's got to be a three at the back. That's where you get the most out of it. But playing Wam Saka as a right wing back isn't going to work either. So the, all these issues that have come together, I think problems with the winger, you see Rashford and Martial like to come to the ball. Not enough people are going going out wide or making runs. And, and we become too static. And we've got Cavani now. <laughs> Who's going to cross the ball to him? Tellez, maybe. But it just doesn't make sense. And we, we, we've got good players in the squad, but we're not, we haven't got a system to play and get the most out of them. But, I don't really know what to say. Yeah. I'm just looking today. I don't think they worked hard enough back going backwards. And I don't think they were good enough going forwards. I thought Shaw no, was good. No, I, I'll answer that point. It, it, the top teams don't play with wingers anymore. No one has wingers. 
there's no such thing as a winger anymore. You know, Jaden Sancho is not a winger. You know what I mean? There's no such thing. He's a forward, right? We don't play those systems anymore. They, this is not the days of Gary Neville teaming up with David Beckham in the tandem on a right-hand side where one goes and one doesn't. You can pass back between each other. These systems don't exist anymore. So I think we have to be careful of talking about them in past tense because United are not set up like that. City are not set up like that. Liverpool are not set up that. And most of the Premier League isn't set up with wingers anymore. We don't have traditional wingers who go on the outside, cross the ball in. That is the job of the fullback. The fullback is supposed to do that, whether it's a 3-5-2, a 4-4-2, whatever you want to call it. You know, when you look at Liverpool and you look at their success they have with their fullbacks, they don't have wingers. Yeah, Salah plays on the right, he's not a winger. Mane plays on the left, he's not a winger. You know, you don't have that. They don't support the channels for the fullbacks to get into that space. It's up to the fullbacks to do it. They've got to go and do that job. So it's up to Wan-Bissaka and it's up to Luke Shaw to do it when they're playing. When Tellers plays, it'll be up to him to do that. That is... That's the brass tax of it. So I think we must be careful about when we talk about systems, that we're not talking about past Fergie 442 systems and all of this that just simply are not played anymore. United don't play it as a, as a matter of, of um, circumstance. We look at the opponent like today, you know, 4231 allows you to have two midfielders that sit a little bit more that allow the fullbacks of freedom to push. To go up, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I've got no issue yeah, with yeah. the first goal where the fullbacks are pushing because that's their job. You know, it's fine for them to be on the front foot. I don't want to see Wan Bissaka back there doing this kind of. You You're know, about uh, the second goal. It, 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 I, I'm talking in general in terms of like his his you know his nickname is Spider because he takes someone on the outside and tackles them. You know, I'm, it's rubbish. It's not modern football. It's great to look at, and we might all get excited about that kind of defending, but that's not how fullbacks set up anymore. Fullbacks are the most dangerous on the front foot. That's what they're employed to do. So this was my issue, and I said it in the last game that. Unless United get these kind of little isms right, these roles within each position, then you're going to have trouble, aren't you? You're going to lose games. That's that's just a, a, a kind of normal assessment fact of when you look at a team and think, why are things not working? And that's how I've assessed this performance today. You know, there's several players in there. You know, it's fine of playing Van der Beek as the, as the number six. Like I've said before, he's done it. I actually can play there. Is he good playing that role? No, not really. It's not his best role. No, nah, he's better further. So up, he's being he? shoehorned in because there is yeah. this pressure to play him because all Ole gets told every week is that you bought Van der Beek and you don't want him. Well, he does want Van der Beek, but it, you have to wait for the kind of natural progress to work to bring in players. Fans are, are obviously not patient. And when you're losing games, fans are even worse. But United have lost this game tonight by making the changes of a of a kind of starting eleven that we all all advocated. But I think as soon as I saw it was four two three one, I just thought, mm, now this form, now this selection doesn't make sense for me because it means that you've got Van der Beek who will give the ball away, Mata who will give the ball away, and Bruno who will give the ball away. And then what does Matic do? Matic isn't a creative, so you're in trouble. You've got the wrong balance. That goes down to Ole. Ole has to look at that. He'd have looked at all the formulas and all of the, the sports science again and who can run and who can do this and who's technically my better players in certain places of the park. Both goals came from catastrophic organisational errors and mistakes. They weren't good goals. It wasn't like, oh, you know, they carved three United and United just couldn't do it. They were both from ineptitude. And when, it, when goals come from ineptitude you're really on a tightrope as a manager because that's what the board see. They're not experts at football, the board, certainly not at Manchester United, but they'll look at that. And even with their eyes, they'll think they're not good goals to concede. There's something not right there. And Ole will be rightfully questioned by Woodward 
you know, after the game or, or to tomorrow or whenever they have their debrief because it doesn't look good, does it? You know, those six games now since Tottenham, there's been good bits, not so good bits, some dull bits, but just a lack of consistency in terms of approach and confidence. And the other thing is they don't look like they're going to score goals. No, and this is the thing. This is, you know, where actually after the restart, United was so good because they just had they had a bit of unpredictability. But I think also, Rob, I've been saying this all week that Nemanja Matic was the, one of the main reasons why we could. He was playing like probably his best football for years and he was playing in that defensive midfielder position. Pogba was playing well. He kept, came back, kept it simple. Bruno, the front three were firing. As you said earlier, this is a problem with this United side and the difference between a top quality side and a good side or an average side is the consistency. And you, this United side is not consistent. I've been saying this to you the whole time. We disagree on this. I still say it now for me. I know no, since... we don't. We don't disagree. We don't disagree. Oh, I, mean, I don't think Ollie's been. We don't disagree. We don't disagree at all. We don't. I, I agree. They are inconsistent. I use that word all yeah. the time. I tweet yeah. it. I think five hundred times a day. That's a, they are inconsistent. What I said was the results going back were not inconsistent okay. over a year period. Okay, yeah. Okay, no, those those great. those things. But there's inconsistency that riddled United for six or seven years in multiple positions. And, yeah. and it's the same with Ollie. Like you look at tonight, it's all about inconsistency, in it of approach. So that's not something where the manager manager can kind of in-game chain stuff but he, he brought five players on tonight and it didn't really get better no. it was still there were still problems in bits of the park where you thought ah right so how do you net, knit it together so you talked about Cavani yeah so Cavani's come on you know a couple of times hasn't he and on the minutes that he's been on the pitch you can see the service that he needs he's not getting any not of getting it. it zero zilch he's no. making that run you know he wants to be the last man on the nine you actually saw him come on today and this worried me he came on he goes over to Martial and he immediately tells Martial, you're playing on the right and I'm going through the middle. And Martial went like that. And I just thought, ah, because that tells you a lot straight away. Now, that's not Martial's fault because he wants to be the nine. So I want him to be upset. But this is about the balance, isn't it? So then suddenly you get no balance on the right because Martial's gone to the right. He doesn't play on the right. You, you bring on Greenwood. Greenwood's probably your best finisher, but he's not in the right areas. So... That is on Ole, and that is about kind of how do you make it work? And we always use a cliche of, oh, does he know his best team? Well, I'm sure he does know his best team, but it's all about putting a team out that beats the opponent. It doesn't have to be your best team. It just has to be the team that does the job. And tonight, United, that team to put out five substitutes, lots of players, lots of really good players, all playing particularly badly. That's why you lose the game. Yeah, absolutely. And then Arian's uh, comment here, that has been the most worrying thing for me the past couple of games. We don't look like scoring after yeah, going down really. again. Yeah, yeah, and the desire looks missing. Exactly. When we go down, mm. Rob, I, I know we're just going to lose the game after that. We're going to struggle. Guys, get your questions in now. We've got 10 minutes left. We'll answer some of them. Rob, I want to go quickly back to the the fullbacks as well, or, or just mm -hmm. generally in the team. When you know I don't have enough combinations, we... Yeah. We, we look at the, the centre-back pairing. I actually think Lindelof's been fantastic the last three or four games. Uh, I think Maguire's been good as well, but we don't have... I feel like we're still thinking, oh, Axel should be here. You know, we don't really know our best... Com there's no combinations in midfield as well. We've tried Fred and McTominay, and it's workman-like, but there's not enough going forward. We can't transition from defence to attack, which is a problem we've seen in the last few games, and the fans get upset because we're looking very, very... Uh, we're very disconnected and disjointed from trying to transition from defence to attack. And then we look at... Even the forwards, I mean, they're not playing like a unit. They're not pressing like a unit. It's just so disjointed. And for me, sometimes I kind of think, right, just stick with the same same team or similar and just go with that because we need that consistency. 
I don't think Oli knows his best side. He did last season. I don't think he knows right now who his best side is. And when you're under pressure, as you say, and when you've just beat, got beat 6-1, the worst thing is getting beat 6-1 because he's now gone within himself. He's gone in his shell. And now you're looking at the players as well. They've gone in with their shell. They know the manager is going to be set, setting up a bit more pragmatic. They don't want to get beat again. My issue is as well is that when you're tinkering, you're tinkering because you're, you don't know what your best team is because you know you need results. And that's what it looks like, Rob. It looks like we're changing a little bit here, a little bit there, seeing if it works. And that doesn't bode well going forward. Yeah, I, I want to really stay away from cliches. So cliches are like, what is my best team? You know, the whole point is when you've got a squad of 25 players is that you have two or three best teams. Yeah, that's how it's supposed to work. That is tr what I think Ole is trying to be the architect of. The only problem is, is when you lose games, people will say to you, oh, you don't know your best team. Klopp used to get that in the very early years. The first year at, at Liverpool, people used to say to him all the time, you don't know your best team. He did know his best team. He just couldn't make it work at that point because he didn't have the correct players. I think Ole's got a really good squad in terms of the balance of what he, he can use. And you can see that he's trying variations. And I think he has to rotate. If you want to be a club at the top, competing for trophies you have to be able to rotate and then those rotational players have to come in and do as well as whatever you consider your best team is now would Rashford get in your best team yes would Bruno get in your best team yes would Maguire probably get in your best team yes they're not they're not good enough tonight so this is not really about about what is the best team because those players who would be in the best team are not playing not playing well so you have to ask why is that you know, is that a pro is that a problem in terms of their uh, the shape or the jobs they're being asked to do or the parts or of the confidence. park? It's confidence. But yeah. I think you use a key word there, and I've used it before as well. And it's about connections. So on the pitch, what connection do you have with your immediate partner? And you could say it with centre backs, with central midfielders. You can say it with wide players, with wing backs, back, wing backs. Yeah. You can talk about the whole the front pressing unit, like you talked about there. The issue with United is there seems to be problems in each of those kind of partnerships nothing is perfect and I think if I'm Ed Woodward this is a this is a valid question that I would be asking my manager and I would be saying okay you know and I'm sure I've talked about it a lot certainly before the transfer window Ole would have outlaid the players that he wanted and I think he got them as I said to you before I think he got four of the five he really wanted at that point uh, certainly in terms of the scouting system but if I'm Ed Woodward and I'm looking at that and I'm looking at how disjointed it is I'm thinking well what what is happening here you know, what is going on on the training pitch? Why is it not being replicated in games? I think United, like today, I think it was a, there was a lack of vision on the pitch, a lack of creativity, but the best players were on the pitch. You know, thankfully, maybe I think for Paul Pogba, no one can blame him tonight because he wasn't on the pitch. So that's a, that's a kind yeah. of weird way of looking at it, isn't it? Because that's why I said at half time, you know, really it was Cavani and Pogba we needed on quickly. And that actually followed within 10 minutes yeah. because you need your best players kind of pushing a system if it's not working. You need to kind of change it around and stretch it a little bit more. It still didn't work, did it? Pogba came on, Cavani came on, United didn't look any more of a threat. You know, I thought you, Martial looked, uh, he was isolated in certain positions. That didn't work. Rashford did absolutely nothing. One of the worst games I've seen him play for a long time. And I think Bruno Fernandes just looked like he was huffing and puffing the whole night. So lots of problems for Ole to solve, but I just think that he won't get the time to solve it now. I think he's run out of time. And, you know, and I said this again on our last podcast, it's, you know, I, I never feel particularly sad because I do think that these things are business decisions and I'm not emotionally invested, even though I love Manchester United and I love the football club and I go to all the games. But I, I look at these things as factual things. And at the moment, it's not working. And there's this guy who's got a stellar 
set up in terms of how he approaches football clubs and how he likes to manage them in Pochettino, who could step into the job tomorrow. And I think that yeah. just puts Ole in a really, really bad place. If there's someone who who is kind of your equivalent in any job that you do and that you're not particularly doing well in your job for whatever reason and they're there to take that job, you always feel that heat. Whatever job you're doing, you always think that person could just take it tomorrow. But in football, that's even worse. Because yes. in football, things get changed on a whim. And I do think that United have talked to Pochettino for six months. They've known what he wants in terms of his wage, his setup, his structure. And I think it will be something, as I said to you the other day, it will be the kind of things you'll wake up one morning and he'll just be the manager and, and Ole will have gone and it will all be, you know, thanks a lot, you know, cheers, legends, you know, winning the 99 treble, yada, yada, yada. And it's over and you've moved on again. What I will say is this, going back to one of the earlier questions, just to answer that, I do agree with that in the sense that you're just starting the cycle again. Yeah, in two years' time, we could be still having this conversation about how Pochettino hasn't, you know, hasn't lived up to what we want, hasn't got the tactical acumen because Mourinho is better or Legri's available, and that's what happens with Manchester United consistently with whoever the boss is, whether it's Van Gaal who won everything under the sun or Mourinho who won everything under the sun, or you've got someone like Ole who knows the football club better. I think what you'll find with Pochettino is the same problems. I think he'll he'll make certain players better. It doesn't mean that United automatically become winners. It doesn't mean United automatically start ch uh, challenging City and um, Liverpool at the very, very top. But change is a as a, like a little elixir. You know, people look at it as a kind of tonic. And I think there are United fans that want that tonic, but it doesn't mean success will follow. Yeah, fantastic points. What I will say is I agree with you in terms of not being emotionally, emotionally connected because, because for me... And I said this today, I did a podcast um, and I, I discussed it and I said, look, what Ollie's done behind the scenes is incredible. The way he's had to stop the rot. And I tweeted this a couple of days ago saying that the club was so toxic when, when Jose Mourinho was there. You know that. We've had this discussion. So, so toxic. And Ollie had to reverse or stop the rot firstly and turn it around. And the culture in the dressing room is great. The culture in the club is great. It is going in the right direction. The academy is being completely revamped. You're looking at Nicky, um, Nicky Butt uh, and uh, is it Nick Cox, who've done a fantastic job there. And he should be commended for that. All the transfers that we've made, pretty much every single one under Oli has been spot on. He deserves credit. But where what he has to be judged on, as you said many, many times, he lives and dies by his record. The record is not good right now. And that's what it should be based on. It's none of this PE teacher rubbish that we hear all the time we've got to be objective about it and for me and i've said this now for a couple of weeks i'm just looking at it i'm seeing us get worse and worse i don't want us to go till christmas where the season's gone as we always do we wait this is still salvageable so that's why i'm in that sort of mindset but i'm going to read out your questions guys um we're going to start with lokesh rob this is to you aren't we essentially a counter-attacking side is pochettino style similar to that not really no, and I don't. I don't think we are a, tr a true counter-attacking side. I think there's plenty of times in games where we set up to exploit that, and we might go one-on-one -on -one in certain areas to, to get the the ball forward quickly. The whole idea is that United are trying to be a a, trans a transitional passing side. That's what Pochettino does. You know, he gets the ball from back to front transitionally in a swift manner allowing the attackers to kind of get on the front foot. But it's not what we call true counter-attacking, not, not in the old days. You know, four four two was the old counter-attacking style. United used to do that very well. That's what it used to do, hurt you with pace, kill you with it. 
that's not really, I think, the way I see Pochettino. I think Pochettino is more pragmatic. You know, I think he will he will try and sort the defence out first and foremost before he tries and sorts the attack out. And I think that that probably is the bigger problem at Manchester United. But what we're seeing now is that the attack is kind of malfunctioning for whatever reason. And yeah, Rashford can go and get a hat-trick one week off the bench in 29 minutes. And then today for 70 minutes looks absolutely useless. So, you know, that's where balance comes in. But I think it's about the team play overall and trying to, and trying to fix that. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And what we'll do is if it does happen, we will do a full the masterclass sort of Pochettino special. If it comes in, I'm not saying he's going to come in, but we'll do that. We'll, we'll break him down tactically. We'll he is going to come in. I'll put my neck on the block and say it. Okay, put your neck on the line. I agree with you as well. Yeah. I just don't want to say it. Um, okay, see, we'll say this. I don't want, to, don't want to jump the gun or anything. Else. I don't really care what fans think about all this yeah. stuff. Ultimately, I look at it like this, is that it's, it, it, it is just a results business. And I think for Ole, you know, uh, I'd love him to be successful. I want whoever is the Manchester United manager to be successful, win trophies. I don't care who it is. Even Jose, there was no problem with that when he ran the football club. It's about what we're seeing. And unfortunately, what we're seeing only ends in the sack. Yeah. Yeah. And if he wins the next game and it's good, then he might get away with it. But yeah. he's had that six-game cycle now since Tottenham. And if, you, if you've got to be perfect, keep your job. United are not perfect. They're nowhere near perfect. And that is... That is a huge problem for Ole to sort out. How, how do you go to the Woodward and say, keep me in my job when you've got Pochettino sat in your pocket, but I want more time? You don't get time in football. It doesn't happen, unfortunately. And especially when Pochettino is free. That's that's a big yeah. thing. It's not like you're having to fork out 30 million. Let's, so, let's go on to this question from Uncle cool. Rob. How yeah. do you build confidence without good results? It's a good question. Mm. For me, I mean, look, from my point of view, it is the results that builds confidence. That that's it. I don't think I'm sure Ollie's doing everything behind the scenes. I'm sure the training sessions are. You look just have to look at the short clips we do see on uh, on May Night's Twitter page. You know the, the players look happy, the morale looks up. But at the end of the day, you have to win your games, and that's how you build confidence. Yeah, uh, and but, some of the scores, some of the front three haven't scored enough either. Yeah, it's, it's also what do you describe as confidence? I think some people think that confidence is just this kind of thing of kind of like <sighs> deep breath and it flows through you. That's not what confidence is. Confidence comes through repetition. Confidence knows from doing your job and knowing what it is. Yeah, Confidence is then having the success off the back of that. So how do you build it? You build it through all those elements. You know, it's not about, do I feel good at work today? Again, like we might do, we might go, oh, I feel a bit sick today. I don't feel as good. So, you know, I, I might not be as good as I was yesterday. For footballers, I think it's, it's much more precise. Uh, how do you build confidence in a team that's not playing well? You can't it goes, it disappears. You know, the only way you can build it is if you go and play your next opponent and you hammer them and those things that weren't working just suddenly work, then you feel good again. Like the Leipzig game, I think that was a good kind of crossing point where it all worked. You beat them 5-0. They're the best team in Germany at that point, top of the Bundesliga. You feel great. And as Harry Maguire said after the game, I think after the, the defeat awesome to game. Arsenal, yeah. yeah, he said, he went, maybe we just felt too good. So there was not, it wasn't really about confidence, the up and down side of what we talk about confidence. It's more about knowing your job. And that's also why that, that is part of the manager's role. The manager has to find a way in training, not just to keep it interesting, but to keep progressing. Part of that is through bringing in new players and keeping it fresh. So that's what he's done with Cavani. And people have talked about Cavani already behind the scenes having this positive impact. But then if I'm Ed Woodward, I've got to think, do I stick with this? and have the possible cycle of another season going wrong? Or do I get Pochettino in, who's free, yeah. who's going to cost me nothing, and can give me the acumen as a manager, who's a proof of being a top four manager with the record, 
Um, could I do that now and make that switch? I think we will see it before the January transfer window. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to read out another question, but mm -hmm. Arian, how much time does a win versus Everton buy him? Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, there's a few questions in here, Rob, saying if Potts doesn't work, then what? I, I don't think we can answer that question. It's from Joseph Simmons, mate. I don't think that's such a that's such a difficult question to answer, but I think this is a good one nah, here. Uh, yeah. I think all the questions are valid. I, I think with the thing with Everton, it, again, it depends on the performance, doesn't it? Now, so if you beat Everton one nil off the off someone's backside and it wasn't a good performance, you still get away with it because it's a win. So it does fall in your, you know, the statistic says it's a victory. So that's how it is. However, if you go and play Everton and beat them four nil and rip them to shreds, a team that have been at the top of the league, then people suddenly, you know, take note again, don't they? And they go, oh, Bruno hasn't played well, Rashford hasn't played well, but today they played really well and they ripped them to shreds. That's the only thing that can keep Ole in his job. But what I'm seeing is repetitive problems in performances. And that is the problem, you know. So I, I don't look at the Everton game as a hopeful game. But Everton have had six of their best players out. So there's a chance there, an opportunity for United to play well. But there was also an opportunity tonight that they spurned against a really, really average opponent that they should be putting away two, three, four nil quite comfortably. They're not really even... Premier League quality this team we played tonight, would you say? You know, no, and so how, how long does Pochettino get? I think Pochettino gets a year or two, going back to that. And if he's in the same boat, he gets sacked. That's because that is yeah. the, the cycle of abuse that we're seeing at Manchester United in terms of the managership. You know, we're looking at the manager and the issues that they're facing, whether it be the sign-ins or recruitment or whatever. I don't think it changes. You know, if you lose games, you're under pressure. If you play badly, you're under pressure. If you do both then you probably will lose your job at some point. It looks bleak for Ole, yeah. It's, you know, I agree with you, Jamie. You know, it, it looks bleak simply because of the outlook and the outlay. You know, say United have played well tonight and lost 2-1, you know, but we went, you know what, it was really good. They were hopping it and popping it and it was all there and it looked great, but they just couldn't score. Then you can say, great, but that wasn't what we saw, was it? That's what I said the other day. There's a lot of things going around where uh, you've probably seen it. Klopp's getting compared to Ole. And I, I just think, look, if I was seeing, like you said, performances are still good we're playing well mm. results maybe aren't going so well I'd, I'd be a little bit more confident but we're playing badly uh, i'll read this one out in a second yeah that's well. a great question yeah, yeah. A really really great question by h mons money can we be a possession side with players who are sloppy in possession like aaron wambasaka fred and even bruno to an extent it's a really great question actually the I'll answer is no the answer is no you know, these players are better than what they're doing, right? So ultimately, so this is where we talk about coaching and making it all knit together and one through another. So Aaron Wambasaka getting the ball, looking inside and playing it square and giving Fred a bad pass and then being counted on, that's up to be sorted out on the training ground. So I think, like you said, did you say Bruno gave the ball away 17 times in the first half? Yeah, yeah. that's unacceptable. So we we all love Bruno and what he's what he's brought. And people were telling me the other day, you know, look at what he's done. He loves the badge, you know, more than Pogba because he's so good. And what, look, he has made mistakes as well. And I would say from the back end of, the, of last season to this season, there are errors. Well. There are errors in his game that he needs to sort out if you want to play Premier League football. Premier League always finds you out. Yeah, it always does. Now, I rate Bruno. I think he is a top-class midfielder, certainly could be on the cusp of being a world-class midfielder. I know you described him as that last week. I think in terms of balancing of doing everything as a number 10 or as a false nine, he needs to do more. So when he gets that ball, he needs to create, he needs to play that little incisive pass that allows Martial to spin off a man. It allows Rashford to use his pace. That's not happening. So who do you ask about that? You ask Bruno Fernandes. 
Apparently 34 times, Rob. Yeah, unacceptable. Unacceptable. That, that is 25 times too much, too many times, you know, yeah. ultimately. So, you know, if you give the ball away and you're a creative player, that's fine. It happens because you're looking for the pass. But for me, Bruno, it's where he's operating. He drops deep. He gets the ball. He'll play something sideways. That's fine. He's trying to knit together the play. But then when he picks the ball up, maybe with his back to goal, goal 10 yards from the penalty area, he loses it quite often. And that's not good enough. If you If you're the kind of conductor of the band you've got to make sure that that tune is perfect and that everyone around you is doing stuff it's not working why is it not working i think it's partly because there's lots of rotation happening but also players have to take responsibility themselves yeah absolutely guys i'm going to read out one question here then i'll take two more after to get them in this is from joseph simmons the right winger is shouting out needing to be fixed is sancho or Traore? Uh, i've been saying this that i think our lack of right winger at the moment is now catching up with us it, you know, sorry, I'm going to stick with this. There's no wingers in the game. We don't have wingers. Okay. They're not wingers, but, right? It's the system. So, four, so two, three, one. We yeah. we can't play that effectively for yeah. me. Because Greenwood's not playing the way he was last season. He's young. He's gonna. But if he was playing the way he was last season, I think we'd be okay going forward. Yeah. But at the moment, the problem is we've got Rashford, Martial, and then that right winger isn't functioning so we're unbalanced and then we've got wan Bissaka on that right hand side for like, me. like we've highlighted it's the other positions not working which means it looks worse so so it, yeah great go and buy a right-sided player like i i i hammed up uh troy early in the season last year and i was like he would be a really good player to bring in on that side with his pace etc but then you're kind of sticking with four two three one that's not what i want to see you know and i don't want to see greenwood operating as a, as a right-sided winger but he can certainly play there. He scored 20 goals from there last year. It's not the problem in the team. There are like six positions that are ahead of right wing. And that's also why I think United didn't pull the trigger on Sancho. We've, we, we can't keep saying and explaining why things are happening. And then when, because the result goes badly, we go back to that point and say, oh, well, we should have just bought a right winger. It doesn't work yeah, no, like I, that. I don't think changes too much Robert, no, being nothing. Honest, those two used... players don't change it do they like trial doesn't make united better today sancho doesn't make united better today you know they don't let wambasaka get more forward or, or backwards it doesn't make any sense to me and i think fans always look at the kind of what they think is the the, the beasting at that point they kind of go oh well we wanted the right winger and that's why it's not working no there's other positions and you said about a defensive midfielder i don't think defensive midfield was the issue today not really you know there was the, the defenders were an issue and the forwards were an issue. None of that midfield in terms of personnel, I think, were particularly an issue. But it wasn't working, was it, going back to front? Yeah, absolutely. Guys, a few more questions. If you haven't got any, then we'll probably wrap up. Rob, let's sort of have a final word before if see if any more questions come in. But um, mm. where, where are we looking? We've got... It's a, re it's a really difficult game, I think, on the weekend. We never perform an early kickoff at Goodison. We, we just don't <laughs> luckily there's no fans ever i get i get flashbacks from when we lost 4-0 i just always i remember even last season we drew with them one 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 when we're looking at that game now we know it's a must win what do united do how do they set up um how do they approach this game is it a must is Oli going to go more defensive because it's a must uh, must not lose sort of game what is he going to yes. do today 
He's going to play four two. He's going to play four two three one. He's going to play Fred and McTominay in the team. He's going to drop forwards. He's going to do it that way. And United will go back to basics because this is the problem. When United lose, they don't really have a lot of choices in that way. They've got creative players who are not creating. So what do you do? So you know, Van der Beek won't play. It's as simple as that. You know, because it didn't work today. Matter won't play because it didn't work today. You know, you, you can't take Wamba uh, Sakura at the team because you haven't got anyone to put in there. So that he will play. You know, you will see that Maguire and Lindelof will play. You know. So what needs to change, Rob? It's one of these things, you know, you could change everything or you could change nothing. But ultimately, you need progress. Yeah. And United have bought players. And we can all say that, you know, was it successful window or not? I said it was because I think it gives the manager options. But the manager still has to produce results, whether he gets players or not. And I said that about Mourinho. Mourinho had two or three windows in a row where he spent hundreds of millions of pounds. And when he got to the end of that cycle after two or three years, he hadn't really improved the team. They got second in that year before and everyone thought, oh, well, that's a, a kind of a push forward. But they looked anything but a Manchester United team. They looked broken from the inside out. And we felt that, you know, we felt that every time we watched them. Ole's made progress, but now he's getting to the point where kind of the maybe you could say that he's operating on three wheels rather than four. So every time when United are going forward, it just looks a bit disjointed. It doesn't look like it's quite working. It's not a kind of indictment on Ole, but he is ultimately responsible and he has got competition for his job. And it's the same for a player, isn't it? If a player doesn't play well, he gets dropped, he gets sold, he's gone out the football club. And that happens over a period of time. With a manager, it doesn't happen like that. You just get the shot. You just get the bullet and you're gone. And I think that's a, that's a problem. Any positives from today's game? Yeah, like, I think that that um, that there could be some more coming from Tim. You know, I think he's a good player. But again, you know, we're relying on players like him to come into the team and add balance or variation or maybe some solidity. Then I think we're, we're kind of we're kidding ourselves. That all has to come from your primary players at the football club, the guys that get not just get paid the most money, but the ones who are the figureheads. I've been talking about Marcus Rashford. Marcus has had a, an amazing year off the pitch. He showed the other day that he's got plenty of quality on it when he scored that hat-trick. But today, he let his manager down. Today, Bruno Fernandes let his manager down. Now, I don't think they're sat there thinking we're deliberately letting the manager down because he's lost the dressing room or any of this trash that you hear some journalists talk about I don't believe that is even the case today those players will be going home today really really hurting like they always do but you can only accumulate so much pain before a board acts and this board is going to act because they've got previous and they do it all the time and they've got their man and he's ready yeah, and none of this will be happening if Pochettino wasn't there. Guys, we're going to have to wrap up now. Thank you very much for getting involved. It's been brilliant. I hope we provided you with a a more of a, I said, less reactionary, more balanced response. It's a difficult difficult result to take. It's a difficult time right now as a United fan, but I absolutely love doing this show and I love all the input that you guys bring in. Rob, thank you very much for joining me today, mate. Any last words of positivity? Uh, I think Pochettino will do a good job when he gets a job. There you go. You know that. I, just, I, I, I think that's it for. I, I, I think for Ole, Ole's done really well at kind of pulling himself out of the fire. He's done it a couple of times now, and we've all gone. Oh, like I always refer to the Burnley game going back last year, where it looked like he was finished, and I was saying it then. I thought it looked like it was over, but there wasn't really the same scenario happening with Pochettino at that point. And if Pochettino had been available when talk about Tottenham, then he would have got the job rather than Ole getting it. 
when Ole was made the full-time manager after his interim period, which was so successful. Uh, I think that's the only side of it. I think football is very changeable and visceral. And ultimately, I think if Pochettino does get the job, there will be a very quick upside. United will start winning games. It will all look really good. It doesn't mean that it's the correct long-term fix, but he is definitely the best manager on the market. They've mentioned United want the best, and this is how they want to kind of pitch themselves. If they can get Pochettino, if they decide that Ole isn't the right man, then Edward would, would be doing his job by getting Pochettino and putting him in charge. I think he's probably the best manager in the world outside of the big two who operate, uh, obviously, in the Premier League. I think he's up there. He's in, he's in that bracket of managers who could take the next step in terms of building a football club. And he's a great builder of football clubs. Yeah, I agree with that. And look, the last thing I will say, thanks, Alan, for getting involved. Thank you, everyone, for getting involved. It's been absolutely fantastic today. You've made it really, really enjoyable. What I will say is Pochettino would not be able to, to succeed if it wasn't for all the work Oli's done over the past two years because, you know, he's he's definitely leaving the club if he goes in a better place. And that, for me, is success. And that's what Oli should be judged on because he had the hardest job out of anyone and he's done a fantastic job in that sense. Let's hope that we can get a victory against Everton. Thank you, Rob, as usual, for joining me today, mate. And we will see you all next time. Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.